future friends, haters, and ex-lovers, welcome back to another episode of Crimes of the Heart. I'm your host, Rory Uphold. First off, you guys have been so wonderful and supportive about rating and reviewing the show, and it really warms my heart, so thank you. Thank you, thank you. I've seen the comments on Spotify, which FYI, such a fun new feature. And I love, truly love reading the reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you're new to the show and you like it, please consider rating it five stars, sharing it with a friend, or leaving a review. I'm 100% independent, and those three little things really help get the word out in big ways for me. Okay, today's episode is truly unique. For starters, it's the first of its kind, in that this is the first half of a two-part interview. (laughs) What? I know. The truth is, my guest and I traversed every topic under the sun, and she is so generous with her knowledge and her candor that I just, I didn't want to rob you guys of any of her brilliance. And I realized that that sounds hyperbolic, but I genuinely mean it. Secondly, Today's crime comes from a bold and bright creator named Susie, whose contact info can of course be found in the show notes. Her story got me thinking about the ways in which I've been conditioned as a woman, and it made me re-examine my relationship to gratitude. And when I heard her story, I knew that I had to have today's special guest. So without further ado, Today's special guest is the co-founder and chief content officer of Who What Where, the chief content officer of Marie Claire, the creator and host of the Second Life podcast, as well as the Who What Where podcast. She's a trendsetter, a CEO, a multi-time author, a podcaster, a mother, a wife, and so much more. But most importantly, she's my friend, my go-to walking buddy, and the person I turn to when I need advice. From business to boys to baking, this guest knows what to do. I am, of course, talking about none other than Miss Hillary Kerr. Welcome to Crimes of the Heart. Thank you. I am a big fan of the show. As you know, I've been listening since the beginning. Yes, you're also very supportive, and I go to you for a lot of my podcast questions. I have to be honest, though. If it sucked, I just would ignore those questions. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Just a fact. I mean, lots of people have podcasts. I do not want to talk about them with most folks. That is very kind. So the story we're about to listen to, I specifically wanted you here for it because I feel like you have a real strength and this story touches on it. So I'm excited that you're here for this. I am too. Does it involve cake? That's my main strength. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) (laughs) I may have miscalculated this. (laughs) Well, either way, let's listen to it. A quick disclaimer, our episodes deal with serious incidents and triggering subject matter. If you feel like at any time you need support, please do not hesitate to grab a cocktail, share this with a friend, or contact us with your own stories. We are here to listen and liberate. Contact information can be found in the show notes. The names in the following episode have not been changed to protect the innocent or the guilty. 
A lot of people look at the idea of dying alone as a very scary thing. But what would be scarier to me is being trapped with a life partner for the rest of my life who treats me like garbage. I will say I am grateful because it was a learning experience. And four years later, I'm able to articulate why this bothered me so much. It's not entitlement. It's wanting to be known by your partner. It's wanting your partner to pay attention to your likes and interests. This is Susie. Our story takes place in 2019 in Waterloo, Canada, when Susie is 20 years old. It's an all-too-common crime tipped off in an uncommon way. Today's story deals with love languages and the age-old adage, it's the thought that counts. We meet Susie, single and happy, and headed to a friend's house to watch movies one night. She's in the living room when one of her friend's roommates walks in. He was about six foot, so he was nine inches taller than me. He dressed in a very unique yet stylish way. He also had really nice curly dark hair. Uh, I love curly hair. He was cutie pie. This is 23-year-old Roy. He immediately notices Susie. And we were just chit-chatting, and then he asked me out on a date. And? I love really big personalities, and I love really funny people. And I also love creative minds. So Susie says yes, and the two make plans to go on a date. I grew up, like, very poor, and at this point in my life, I think was only two years out from being homeless. I grew up, like, in and out of homeless shelters with my mom. Sorry, I should say houseless shelters, trying to change my language. And so I had never been to, like, a nice restaurant. When Roy tells her he wants to take her to a nice restaurant for their first date, Susie is touched. She'd already told him about her upbringing, and the fact that Roy wanted her to have a memorable experience felt meaningful. It's the night of their date. Susie and Roy walk into a really nice, expensive restaurant. One of the only, like, five-star restaurants in Waterloo. They sit down, and Roy tells Susie to get anything I wanted and just enjoy myself because he wanted not to, like, treat me, but to give me a first experience with that and also enjoy it with me while getting to know each other. This gesture really made me go like, oh, well, this is, like, a really thoughtful thing to do. And it wasn't just the first date. Roy was thoughtful on the second date as well. It wasn't like a date where he spent money on me. He planned a park date where he made me things I had said were my favorite foods and took me to an animal farm. And I love animals, like farm animals especially. Cows are my favorite animal. Susie was enamored by the amount of thought and time and consideration Roy had put into planning these dates. See, her love language is doing things like that for my partner as well. Really getting to know them and doing things that they would really love because I know they would really love it and it would make them happy. So this was very much a bright green flag. This set the tone of their relationship. One where they would often do kind things for one another just to make the other person feel good. This also meant that they bonded fast. So when you're dating someone and you have the same love language, that appreciation and love grows very strong. And I wouldn't say it happened like love bombing quickly, but it grew very quickly. How quickly? After the first date, we literally hung out for three days straight after that, just unable to get enough of each other, (laughs) which is not common. I know like it happens, but it's not common for me. However, Susie has very specific thoughts on relationships and she was clear about that from the start. 
I don't do exclusivity without commitment. I think it's a scam. When asked about this, Susie says, I think exclusivity without commitment is a scam that does not benefit AFABs in relationship at all, or especially it doesn't benefit people who are looking for a relationship. For those wondering, AFAB stands for Assigned Female at Birth. And before they get into a relationship, Susie asks Roy if he wants to keep it open or closed. We had had the conversation of whether or not he wanted it to be open because I'm fine with an open relationship and I always like to give a partner that as an option and he was like, no, I don't want to do an open relationship. The two decide to make their relationship official and they date for about a year before Susie moves in with Roy. I didn't go into moving in with him lately. I thought about it for about a month, but we regularly spent so much time together anyways, like me sleeping over for weeks or a week straight. We already spend nearly every waking moment together at this point. Outside of the fact that they were already practically living together, moving in would help save both of them money. So it just made sense. Everything's going great. Fast forward six months. Before Susie starts to notice some changes in Roy. I had noticed he didn't really want to spend as much time with me, which like, sure, after a certain while, you want your own space, even though you're living together, that's fine. But it was more than that. He would be going out a lot more. He would be gone for like a couple days at a time, just saying, oh, I'm staying at my friend. Oh, I'm staying with family. Oh, I just slept at work. She's not jealous by nature and she trusts her partner. So Susie is sort of side-eyeing it, but I wasn't really questioning it. And then we stopped going on dates, Uh which was really weird because we were very much like, we go out a lot together. And almost out of nowhere, Roy starts to get really insecure about me going out with friends and would start being like, well, who's this? What do you mean you're going out with them? And he would get really concerned and really insecure about me going out all the time, which I knew that I had given him no reason to think that I was being unfaithful in any capacity. This behavior concerned Susie. When accusations like that kind of come out of nowhere, it's sort of an indicator of their own guilty conscience. So she sits Roy down and asks him what's going on. He tells her that he loves her and denies any funny business. <laughs> and instead, Roy takes Susie out on a romantic date to make up for any perceived distance. <sighs> but it was still very like fishy and it was still happening after that reassurance date. forward. It's December and Christmas is around the corner. So Susie gets Roy a signed Frank Zappa record, which is his favorite artist. It costs her a fair amount of money, but in Susie's eyes, it's worth it because she knows that Roy will adore this gift. And I don't expect them to spend the same amount on me. I just expect the same care put into a gift, which like he had never not given me a thoughtful gift before. Roy gives Susie her gift first. She opens it and is stunned by what she sees. I was counting to 10 in my head. I was very calm because I had been in therapy at this point for a year, year and a half. She's disappointed, but she's also shocked. Roy got her a fake gold necklace with an infinity symbol on it and a rhinestone, which was like $20 from Walmart. Oh no. And outside of the fact that it's ugly, It's not even remotely close to her style. I don't have gold jewelry. I wear silver jewelry constantly. 
in large amounts. In fact, I'm wearing two silver necklaces, three silver rings. My nails are painted silver. I have two silver nose rings on the front of my face. It's not like you don't notice these things. <laughs> and we also live together. And my jewelry box has a clear door on it where you can see all the jewelry in it. She looks at the necklace for a moment and then asks Roy about it. I was just sort of like, hmm, why did you gift me this? And he was like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean, why? I was like, well, like, why did you gift me this? He goes, it's Christmas. And I'm like, no, but like this specifically, why did you think to give this to me? And he goes, honestly, I just walked into Walmart and grabbed the first thing I saw on a rack because you like jewelry. This is wildly out of character for Roy. So Susie says, is that a joke? Are you kidding me? Roy was in fact not kidding. I think that's a ridiculous gift to get for a partner that you've been with for this long, live with, and you can visibly see every day right on the front of their face, their taste in jewelry. Susie tells him that he should return it because it's not something she will wear. And I don't need the clutter. This sets Roy off. He starts screaming at her. And he, he freaks out at me, calling me all kinds of names, which he had never called me names before. He calls her ungrateful, to which Susie responds, Yes, I am ungrateful. I'm not going to be grateful for something I don't want, didn't ask for, and is essentially a slap in the face. Why would I be grateful for a physical representation of how little someone cares about me? Duh. The issue wasn't how little Roy had spent on her. The slap in the face about it is this is someone who is supposed to know you, especially after that long of a relationship, well enough to know these things about you. It's a physical representation of how how little he cared about me. He only cared enough to pacify me with a gift. He didn't want to get me a gift. He just knew that if he didn't, it would be disrespectful. But to Susie, it's disrespectful to get a gift that someone wouldn't like. Even if that's not your intention, if you are paying attention enough to someone to know what kind of gift to get them after a year and a half of being in a relationship with them and six months of living with them, then you shouldn't get them a gift. She tries to be honest with Roy about how she's feeling, telling him that I would have rather you gotten me nothing at all and we just spent the day together ordering takeout and just like cuddling and watching movies because I hadn't been spending a lot of time with him because he was working, quote unquote. And yeah, he started calling me a bunch of names. Roy is still yelling at her about being ungrateful and entitled, which gets Susie thinking. For some reason, I find a lot of people feel entitled to you being grateful because they think the fact that they did anything at all should be appreciated, when in actuality, that's a very entitled standpoint to have. People shouldn't be grateful for things that they A, don't want, and B, are actually offensive to them. People shouldn't be grateful for the bare minimum. Her mind is racing. But physically, Susie is just sort of sitting there like just shocked. And then he goes and he calls me a headache. Roy leaves their apartment and Susie spends the rest of the day by herself. So I take back the Frank Zappa record, sell it, and I bought him a bottle of Advil to help with the headache. Because, in her words, if you're gonna get an attitude with me, I will get an attitude back. The bar is so low. If you go low, I will go straight to hell. I am not about to be the bigger person for someone who is calling me names and screaming at me. The next day, Roy comes home, but... I didn't ask him where he was because... 
truthfully, at this point, I really didn't care. He also didn't apologize to me. She hands him a bottle of Advil with a bow on it and says, Since I'm such a headache, here's some Advil to help you with that, help you cope, which is petty and it's not the mature thing to do, but I didn't want to be mature. Eventually, they move past this fight and things go back to normal, but... This was one of the things that really made me start paying more attention and it really tipped me off in a way to what was actually happening. Fast forward a few more months. Susie is at home and Roy is at work. She doesn't own a computer, so she's using Roy's. And he like knew this and he had no issue with this. And I wasn't going through like his files or anything or his emails or anything like that. Sharing a computer was normal for them. And they'd been doing it for a year and a half at this point. Susie is working on the computer when notifications start popping up on the screen. It's not like I was intentionally looking at them. However, Susie does see a notification for an e-transfer which is like Canadian Venmo. And it was a girl's name and I was like, oh, whatever. She doesn't think anything of it. That is, until. Another email pops up and it's a thank you email from a girl, let's say her name is Ashley. And I notice it says, thank you so much. I can't wait to see you later. I got that new toy you wanted to try out. And then there were like heart emojis. This immediately catches her attention, at which point Susie decides to investigate. I'm not someone who gets insecure and worried that someone's cheating, so I'm not someone who is like checking their phone or messages, but after I saw the notification pop up, that was definitive proof he was cheating. I was like, let's see for how long. She looks through his email and discovers that Roy and Ashley had been seeing each other for a while now. Additionally, he was on dating apps. Uh -oh. And so a lot of the times that he was saying he was sleeping at work, he was actually just at someone's house hooking up. She takes a minute to digest this information. I just remember looking at it and going, huh, interesting. And I am not the type of person who gets mad or really upset when someone cheats on me because I don't think that's a reflection of me at all. I think, honestly, it's a really embarrassing thing to do to someone, to cheat on them. I think it's, you're embarrassing. Then she calls her landlord, who agrees to take her name off the lease. And Susie begins to look for another apartment. Later that night, Roy comes home and... I break up with him. I was like, hey, listen, I was on your computer and notifications for emails came up. And he looked Aww. afraid at me saying that. And I said, I saw the email from Ashley. And I just want you to know, we are no longer together. And I'm looking for another apartment. I've already talked to our landlord about it. And they have taken my name off the lease for the next month. But in a wild twist, Roy has... A meltdown. He was like crying, begging me not to leave him, <laughs> saying he'll end it with her, just give me another chance, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I no. At this point, no. I am the type of person who, when someone wrongs me to a degree like that, it's like the ultimate ick. I thought he was pathetic. I thought he was embarrassing. And I had no attraction left for him. And honestly, the feelings were pretty moot at that point because I respect myself too much to allow myself to continue a relationship with someone who clearly does not care about me. And Susie meant it. She moved out and moved on with her life and is happily in a new relationship, still sporting a gold-free look in favor of her signature silver style. Looking back,
back. If someone does a complete 180 in a relationship like that, something is up. Like he went from being so caring, putting so much thought and effort into our dates, into my birthday present that year. And then all of a sudden, we're not going out on dates. We're barely spending any time together. And he gives me a gift that is extremely out of character for him. When asked for her take on Giftgate, Susie says this. The most important takeaway is anything that you want your partner to do that they're not doing, you can also just do it yourself. If they're not doing something for you that you feel is important, like buying you flowers, you can buy yourself flowers. You don't need someone to do that for you. And you most certainly don't need someone in your life who isn't meeting your standards and you don't have to be accepting or grateful of the bare minimum. The most important thing is that they are fulfilling your needs and if they're not doing that why are you with them so i ask you dear listeners in the moments where your needs aren't being met what's stopping you from having the entitlement of a susie and the next time someone tells you it's the thought that counts ask yourself is it wow yes that was a story. It was a story. But ultimately, I feel like kind of healthy in a weird way. I think she's so cool. Very. Like the her the way she responded to kind of all of it made me feel like I could do better. <laughs> it gives me hope about the youth. Yeah. I mean, like very self-aware, mm-hmm. very clear about what her stuff is and what her stuff is not. Right. Which... To me, that's one of the hardest parts of dating is like really understanding like where your edges are, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. Do you have an idea of why I wanted you specifically to listen to this? Yes, because I am a Virgo gift nerd. Yes. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Also self-aware. Okay, great, 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 great. Sometimes. (laughs) I loved this idea that we are told to be grateful to always be grateful no matter what the Mm -hmm. gift is which I feel like we've all been at Christmas or Hanukkah or birthday or whatever and gotten something and been like womp womp or like damn or man this person doesn't know me at all yeah I mean the fact that this tipped her off to the fact that she was being cheated on is extra wild to me yes but in your expert opinion (laughs) I would love to know what is the perfect gift for someone you're newly dating so I feel like that can be really tricky because you don't want to come on too strong exactly you don't want to like go over the top to the point where they feel uncomfortable. That has happened to me before where I got a gift early in a relationship. That was like a two years in relationship Mm. gift. Was it jewelry? Yes. And it made me very uncomfortable. And I was like, no, return and done. Really? I mean, I had a very short fuse for like bouncing back in the day. Okay. So I was kind of always looking for an excuse. But hit it and quit it. Yeah. I was just a little bit like, I'm just going to cut and run in any possible situation. Always, generally speaking, looking for flaws. Wasn't wasn't super emotionally healthy of me. I'm not saying that anyone should do this. Don't. So would you, do you think you were avoidant? I think that I was very avoidant. I have been like that since I was a kid in the sense of I don't like to feel smothered. And a lot of behavior Mm. makes me feel smothered and or it feels like there's expectation on it. And then I'm going to disappoint you. And I just need to sort of like, I, I need someone to come come at it from different angles like That's don't hit me straight on I don't like that at all I never I have in friends feel too. the same way I this is crazy but I think it's because my dad wasn't always around yes 
I, Same. I know, and that makes my dad sound like he was a bad dad. I mean, he's an ER physician, and obviously your dad's a hero. But I do think that that might be it. I also think, like, and you and I are similar in this way, like, we built really beautiful lives for ourselves mm. that didn't necessarily require a guy to be a part of it. So if they're entering that world, they really have to be additive. Yeah. And a lot of folks were more attracted to my life, I think, than even me. So I could sense that pretty early on because it was like, oh, you know, like I have all these friends and we're always doing cool things. And, yeah. You know, it's a full, interesting life. Yes. And I think that certainty is often what people were attracted to as well. And so they would just come on really strong because they felt like, oh, she knows who she is and what she wants and where she's going. And they were attracted to that. And I I felt like you should have all of that on your own right. separately. Like moth to a flame. Yes. Do you feel like that ever backfired? That guys were super into the boss babe that you were slash are, mm. but then ultimately it's what they resented? Yeah, of course. I mean, it, that which attracts oh, so us, repels us, right? So I think that there's, it, it really just depends on how that person felt about themselves. There were definitely moments where they're like, oh, it's so great that you're career minded and that you're building something. But then it's really specific around being an entrepreneur, I think, specifically, because you can have a great career. Men can feel threatened by that. Fine, whatever. Mm. But when you're building something, men get really strange about that, I have found. I don't know why that's a different frontier, but it's like something that they think they should be doing. And then they're mad at you for doing it in a weird way. It's very bizarre. But yeah, that definitely happened like back in the day. There's no question about it. Wild. Okay, we really tangented. Okay, but back, back to the, to the Back to the presence. So my go-to, when, and this is true for friends, this is true for dating, I think the easiest thing to do is to upgrade something they, they already have. Hmm. So it's a way of saying, I see you, I see what you like, and I am just going to splurge on you a little bit. So if they have a t-shirt from H&M that they wear all the time, get them the next version of that. Maybe it's from Buck Mason or James Purse or whatever it is. Or I like early into dating my now husband, he was complaining about sweatpants or something about sweatpants. And I ended up getting him a pair of, I mean, this wasn't super early in dating. So let me caveat that. But I got him a pair of cashmere sweatpants. So I was like, okay, that's like, a good guess. I see your sweatpants and I'm going to take them one up. Yeah. I got them on sale at Barney's. May she rest in peace. It was <laughs> it was a really good present and he felt like I wasn't trying to change him. I saw who he was and I bought him something that he would have never bought himself mm. but very much enjoyed. Oh, that's so good. Okay, how does that change once you're in a relationship and it's more serious? Like price point price point. And that's what it is for me anyway. I feel like when you're also the longer you're in a relationship with someone too and you really know them then you I always have a note on my phone of things that people in my life have mentioned that they're frustrated with or they need help with or like oh I just wish I could have a blah and I write all of this down which makes me sound so creepy. I No I think it's so genius because I never know what to get you. <laughs> I, I never know. I, I, I'm going to have to start doing it. And you give the best gifts. Always. Well, it, and part of it is I love the research piece of it. But part of it is, and this is probably the editor journalist background. Sure. I'm always 
sort of taking notes mentally, and then I'll actually write it down. Or if I see a great gift in the New York Times or wherever it is, I'll write it down. I like keep it all in a file. So good ideas for friends, for my husband, for parents, for whatever, everyone. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're just random good gift ideas that don't necessarily have a person I have attached them to, but I keep them all in a folder so that way I can go back and look at my notes and say, like, oh yeah, that's right. Four months ago, she was talking about how she's super frustrated because she can never find the perfect belt to go with this coat. And that's what I'm going to get her, whatever it may be. Wow. That's such a hot tip, though. I mean, it's a lift. I'm not going to lie. It's not for everyone, but it also makes it easier. So then when like the holiday comes around, you're not suddenly scrambling because I hate that feeling of when you're like mass buying bullshit on Amazon because you just need to have a present. A hundred percent. No. I mean, this guy was... A douche. A hundred percent. And went and... Admitted he was admitted. a douche. Admitted. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he was like, yeah, I just got this, you know, it was the first thing I saw on the rack at Walmart. I was like, oh, oh, sir, sir, is this the breakup? I mean, that's telling you exactly what you need to know, though, right? Right. And I thought the detail of I only wear silver. And by the way, I, I interviewed her. So it is obvious. Like, she is covered in, <laughs> in silver jewelry. And she had chrome silver nails. Like, yeah. It's like me with black. Like, if you don't notice that I'm always in black, you're probably not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly, I think that's true of any aspect of a relationship. Like, you just have to pay attention to the details. People tell you who they are. They tell you what they're interested in. All of the clues are there. It's just, are you paying attention or not? I feel like I have historically not paid a ton of attention. And that's okay. Yeah. That's totally okay. Not everyone needs to be great at everything. (laughs) No, that's the other part of it. It's like, or the other thing that I think is nice is I have like a handful of go-to gifts Mm. that are sort of universal crowd pleasers. So. For example, I work in fashion. There was a point in time when I could go on Abe Books, A-B-E Books, Mm -hmm. and they have all these amazing vintage books. I would buy a first edition of Judith Kranz's Scruples, which is an 80s, ridiculous, very over-the-top fashion, sex, champagne, ridiculous novel. And that was a go-to gift. It used to be like in the very beginning days of the Parker and Palm Springs, they Mm -hmm. had like a copy in every room. It's just really like it's a touchstone of trashy, fabulous, filthy. And so that was always a go-to present because it's this but the the fashion details in it are exquisite but it's also just very over the top and bizarre and And of its time and very fun very escapist and it has this like beautiful cover with like crazy 80s font it just looked like a thing so I would never think to do something like that but I feel like cult classics things like that you know the best of everything or the dud avocado there are like a handful of books that sort of fall into sort of cult fashion references Mm -hmm. um, and and I think those are always sort of good gifts for my lady friends. Some of my guy friends too, sure. But yeah, well, for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you relate at all to this story? Yes. Like, have I gotten bad gifts? Yes. Have uh, absolutely. And did that tell me more than I wanted to know? Yes. Mm. Was I in an open relationship ish or wanted to be or any of that or cheating? Not in the same way. But from the gifting perspective, I think my least favorite gift ever, this is very specific, but it was basically homework. So right before my 30th birthday, my first book came out and my boyfriend at the time basically gave me a scrapbook for the presumable future press for me to keep all of the press clippings in one place, which I guess sounds like a nice idea. But to me, I opened it and that just looked like homework to me. The same is true for like baby books or any of that stuff. It drives me insane because it's just homework. Like the 
the part that would be the gift is someone else doing, doing it, it. Because I hate crafts. I hate art projects. I hate that shit. Which is so weird because I would not expect that from you. No, I despise it. And I'm pretty vocal about despising (laughs) it. So for my longtime boyfriend who has never seen me do a crafty thing for a hot second to give me an arts and crafts project about myself, that was an absolute no. No. (laughs) Did not make the cut in terms of marriage. Oh my God. But I was just like, to me, it just felt like we had known each other for a long time at that point. And it just said, I'm not paying attention. So conversely, I got a very nice gift from a man who was cheating on me. Oh, like a guilt present? I think so. Great. I just thought of it as you just said it because I was like, have I ever gotten bad gifts? And I'm like, I'm sure. And then I immediately thought, thought of Schmeston and he gave me a Polaroid camera Mm -hmm. which I'm super into photography so that was cool with a bunch of film and then a bunch of t-shirts they weren't vintage but they were like I don't know probably carried at Urban or somewhere like that and they were like kind of jokey shirts a bunch of them and so I slept in them or wore them to work out or whatever and then like a love letter and I I think maybe six days later, I found the photo of him with his arms around another girl and 13 hearts is the caption. Hmm. It's just like... So it does work in reverse. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just such a weird thing where you're like, why? I I just... What is the point? What is the point? What is the point? I mean, I think the point was to try and keep me humored or at bay so I wouldn't go looking. But he was so ugly that the only good photo of him was in the tagged photos. And he wasn't quick enough to untag himself from the photo that she tagged him in. And that's how he got caught. I know. I love technology. Yep, it's good. What are your thoughts on snooping? Ooh, so again... Yes. Journalist here. So I... (laughs) You're like, I am pro snoop. Literally, I'm a pro snoop. Yeah. I love it. I can find out anything about anyone. And I have infinite patience to scroll and make connections. Like, I think I was a private eye in another life. I love it. That said, I try not to do it or I tried not to do it with the people I was dating because... I just kind of didn't really want to know in that way. I felt confident enough in myself to be like, if they don't want to be with me or if they're doing whatever, that's on them. But that I also got to that point after a serious heartbreak. So I was also sort of emotionally numb, which was great in certain ways. (laughs) I have never dated so much as I did after that breakup because I was emotionally withdrawn. So everyone was super interested. But I wait. So in the time where you wanted nothing, everyone wanted you. Yes. Okay, that is just gonna fuck with me. It just I think it's because and I was also going through a radical candor point in time where I would tell people I was like, I'm emotionally dead inside. So So maybe I should just Start telling people. I think. I mean, like, I think that there's something to it. There, it's it's an interesting thing of people then apparently see that as a challenge. I don't know why, but I just was not emotionally available at all, and so some of that was going on. I think. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, snooping when you're dating is very different than when you're married. I mean, can you can you have secrets? I guess. Of yes. course, people. Yeah, people cheat when they're married, so it doesn't. Not to be very boring and go back to presents, but I freak out sometimes about you know the cookies following you around on your mm-hmm, computer. Mm-hmm. Where I, there have been times that I was shopping for my husband <laughs> for the holidays or whatever, and then you he was looking at something on my computer, and all of the ads around it makes it very clear what oh, website what you were like, looking at. Yeah, because I'm not obviously getting serve golf ads normally this under the best true, of circumstances. Yeah, so yeah, you have yeah. to be careful a little bit about that, but I also 
also feel like I have not. Yeah, I don't clear sn- that cash seriously. But no, I I'm I'm great at snooping on my friend's behalf. Yeah, and I think that you should. Everyone should have a friend who does that. Yeah, I've never been a big snoop. You, I I've snooped. You always find something. So it just is. I also, I interviewed someone forever ago about never sharing your passwords Hmm. with even your husband. Like never share your passwords ever. I have the opposite. And I've always shared passwords with, I'll tell anyone the password to Mm -hmm. my phone. There's nothing to really hide. Mm -hmm. And so all of my past boyfriends have had access to my phone. And I feel like it's been the same because also you you want them to take a photo or you want to look at the photos. There's so many times when you're sharing things that I would be such a bad snoop. I also think- Or I mean bad at the bad at hiding it. Right. I have also been that way about my phone where I'm like, there's nothing on here yeah. that I want to hide, that I would hide from you. Again, radical honesty in a weird way is I think actually kind of refreshing. And the thing is, is if you're that way and they're not, they get nervous about it and then they feel like they have to be on your level. So it's mm. kind of an interesting way of tricking someone into it, which is not super honest, but whatever. Sometimes we do what we must. No, I like that. I like that. But okay, that's a good tip. And it also, I think that it makes everyone feel calmer. You're like, I know yeah. what I'm dealing with here. Yeah. Because there's nothing, like if someone is sketchy about their phone, they're hiding something, period. I dated a guy who wouldn't let me put my phone face down. I know there was a lot of red flags there, but I was colorblind. I was just, it was a, it was a vibe. I was not allowed to keep my phone face down because he had said that he had been cheated on so many times that if my phone was face down, it would trigger him into thinking that I was hiding things. I mean, lo and behold, he was screwing half of Los Angeles at the time, but it was a weird, he used reverse psychology on me. So I was always keeping my phone face up thinking that we were having this radical honesty. Meanwhile, he was raw dogging chicks 15 minutes before I would get there. But I know. (laughs) So I also, I, that, but that's kind of the thing, right? Where someone accuses you of doing the thing that they're doing, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. We've seen that many a time. We have seen that many a time. Yeah. Always. That's a huge tell. My mom imparted that wisdom on me. She was like, if a guy ever accuses you of cheating, you're being cheated on. That's so sad, but true. She taught me a a few good things. She was like, do not be the drunk girl that cries. And if a guy is accusing you of cheating, you're being played. Yeah. Anyway, fun segue into you seem to have it all. Yeah. You do. Even as your friend. Seem is is the operative word there, Okay, then I'll just say you have it all. (laughs) Wrong way. How do you balance being such a, I know we've kind of canceled the word boss, so how do you balance being a mogul, a wife, and a mom? I always think of it as sort of a handful of spaghetti, like a big handful of spaghetti. Just when you get supported in one area, then noodles start falling off your hand on the other side. There's nothing about my life that is fully together. I have a lot of process in place to help, but the thing that you didn't mention in that is really telling, and it is also the area that I have the most trouble in generally speaking right now which is friends or like me time that was an accident on my part but it's but it's really real so you know if I'm great at work something is probably giving a little bit in my family life or my marriage or my friendships if everything is going really great at home I'm probably not putting in quite as much time at work as I should be there's no way to do all of it well all the time there just isn't and unfortunately right now I have two small kids and a crazy job and a husband who I am you know 
really quite wild about. And the reality of that means I just don't have a lot of free time or mm. a lot of me time. And free time to me equals friend time. And yeah. But I guess I just look at it as like everything has a season. So I've had many seasons of incredible work runs, of incredible family runs, of friend runs. And right now, that's just not the area that I am able to give my all to. And my friends have been really kind and accommodating and understand that it's not them. It's It's just personal. No, it's just like I literally don't have bandwidth in the way that I would. But also, if shit hits the fan... I will be there. I will drop stuff. Yeah. But I don't I don't care what you had for lunch today. I just I just don't. Yes. I'm not that friend. I haven't had lunch yet. So don't worry. Well, Not you. You. (laughs) But like, you know, there are those friends where it's like you have like, you have daily friends where it's like all the details. I'm not that friend anymore. I used to be. And I hope that I will be again. But just at this moment. I like the idea of seasons. Yeah. Because then it's not like a forever Forever. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. This is something that I think you would be good at answering. Hmm. It's not necessarily related to this story, and it's definitely not related to your personal life, okay? (laughs) But let's say your partner has terrible style or a terrible haircut, or there's things you would like to change about them that are more superficial. Yes. How do you go about doing that? So I think leading with love is always a good thing and leading with a compliment. So it's like you have the most amazing hair. Have you ever thought about just like letting it grow out a little bit and seeing what happens? Because I think, I mean, it looks great right now, but I think it could look really amazing if you just let it grow a little bit. Hmm. And then just walk away and let it go. What about if you need to redo a whole wardrobe? Well, it depends. Are they aware? Mm. Are they unaware? Are they going to take this personally? Are they going to take this with gratitude? Do they feel away about themselves and this will feel like an attack? Or will it feel like love and care? Mm. So the way that you approach it has to be... How you position it. Mm -hmm. Because my mom redid my whole dad's vibe. Which is the thing. Which is a thing. I feel like you would be good at that. So I have not. My husband has really great personal style. That's why I made a very clear caveat. John, we love you. But that said, there are certain things where I'm like, I think it's time that we upgrade this. Or I love that you love that shirt, but it has mustard on it. So could we please go a different direction? It happens at every level. But I think if you just really make it about like not that you don't get this or that you're a bad person or mm. that you're a dummy or that we're all or laughing that you don't at you. have style exactly and then it feels constructive and it feels like let's work to find something together that is you not like I'm going to make you over into something that you're not because that doesn't feel good if some guy was like hey I think you should wear sexier stuff and I didn't feel like wearing sexier stuff I'd be like fuck off I'm not a Barbie yeah go find someone who already dresses like that yeah but if it's like hey I would like to work with you on this thing Mm -hmm. then that feels a little bit different also most guys are clueless and are happy for the advice. The other way that you can go around it is through one of their friends too. So if they have a female friend who Mm. you trust and you get along with, say, have you ever thought about, have you ever said anything that's like a good way of floating it sometimes? You have to I'm a big fan of like strategy. Yes. Like I don't care how you hear the information. I just want you to hear the information. So if it has to come this way or this way or this way or this way, I'll just keep going. I'll keep iterating. I just want you to get the information and like really have it sink in. Yeah. Okay. See, I knew you would have (laughs) 
I knew you would have that. All right. So when you were single. Mm-hmm. I was such a good single person. I would love to hear about that. So were you like the cool girl, the game player? Did you lay it all out there? Obviously, you had a radical candor phase. <laughs> I did. But did you fall into a certain category? Well, it depends on when. So there's sort of before my big breakup and after the big breakup. Okay. And that also lines up with before starting my company and then having my company. So, and it's interesting because I think early and also lines up with my 20s versus my 30s. So in my 20s, when I was still figuring out who I was Mm -hmm. and just starting the company, I think I was willing to put up with more nonsense at that point in time because I felt like I didn't really want to get married. I didn't want to have kids. So we're just here for a good time. So I didn't care about what your potential was. I didn't care where this was going. I didn't care if you were on time or not on time. I didn't care about any of it. I was just like, whatever, it's fun. And then when I started dating- What did you care about? Having a good time. Okay. Are we having fun? Yeah. Is the sex good? Is this exciting? Like, yeah. Yeah. Do you make me feel alive? Basically, what is the thrill ride here? Like, yeah. do you, do you, are you a good hang with my friends? Like, yeah. Those are the sort of, you know, very important things I cared about. Although I, I think that a lot of people prioritize those things yeah. even now. So it's, it's, but it's, like, I didn't care if you were intelligent, which I should have. I okay. didn't care if you were a kind person, which I should have. That stuff, I didn't care if you did what you said you were going to do. There were certain right. standards where I was like, ah, it's fine. Like, no, because no, no, no. It, they weren't going to be there forever. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't matter at all to me, like long term. Just are you fun? Let's go. Interesting. Okay. And then when I started dating again, and so then I had a long relationship and then I started dating again at 31. And I remember thinking, first of all, I, was, I wasn't planning on marrying that previous partner, but we'd just been together for a really long time and I wasn't expecting, and he dumped me out of nowhere. So I wasn't expecting to be How single. I mean, best thing he could have done. Thank God. I hear that, people. Oh, best. Hear that. Didn't feel like it at the time. He definitely did me a favor. Rejection is protection. Surely. Truly, I am living proof of it. But then dating at 31, when I wasn't expecting it, I felt like, A, I entered it with a little bit of gratitude. Like, oh, I didn't expect to have newness in this way. Mm. Newness is exciting. Okay, that's great. I also knew who I was and knew what I was capable of in a different way. I had a certain level of confidence because of what had gone on in my career during that time. I knew how to build something. And even though that previous relationship had ended in a mess, it had been a really good relationship until it wasn't at the end. So I also knew this is what you should expect from someone. Mm. This is what to look for. This is what not to look for. And I had a different threshold at that point in time because I had a different sense of self. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then how did that shift the way you showed up? Were you, did you notice that you played less games or that you deaded people easier or? So twofold. One, I was in the very beginning of that 31 time period. I was very attractive to everyone merely because I was dead inside. So I was still, I I think I got out there a little too early. Sure. And I was just emotionally numb. And so everyone found that very interesting and attractive. And I was just awful to a bunch of people. Radical candor, but still like I wasn't always the nicest. Hurt people hurt people. And I certainly did. But then as time went on, I started, I think I just shut down nonsense a lot more easily. 
I saw red flags for what they were Hmm. at a thousand paces. I don't know what it was, but I just had a different tolerance for what people were trying to pull. So I would cut stuff off really early. I was like, no, I had standards in a different way. And I felt very comfortable saying, no, I don't think so. Because again, I think it just goes back to having, what is that Janis Joplin quote? Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Mm. Like I was free. I had nothing left to lose. So I would just say and do exactly what I wanted. Interesting. Do you remember what your first date with your now husband was? Yes, I do. Well, this is an interesting question. So first date was no big deal. Just dinner, drinks, very casual, food forward place because I like food, Mm -hmm. but not fancy. It just felt like a casual, cool, come see my neighborhood. We'll go to some of my favorite spots. We'll get to know each other. Done. And I really liked it. I don't want a roller coaster fireworks show for a first date. Yeah. I don't want an adventure. Just feed me and let's have some drinks. It's so interesting that you're saying that. I just was listening to a clip about how 35% of married people are happy, which is that's sad. Pretty low. Yeah. 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 I bet 35% of that is men too. I know. But of the 35% Mm -hmm. of people that were happy, they interviewed those people's partners and they all had three traits that were in common. It was conscientiousness, regulated emotions. Mm -hmm. And then the third one was low to moderate adventurousness. Interesting. And so what you just said kind of tapped on that because they find that people that have a desire for adventure, like a lot of adventure, Mm -hmm tend to be distracted by the shiny new thing Uh. and also tend to spend more of their time invested in their hobbies than in their relationships. Yeah, that makes sense. So I thought it was, it's interesting that you said that because Susie got taken on this crazy date, which I think on the, on its head is very thoughtful. Yeah. And I've been totally swept up and swayed by dates like that. This kind of real grand gesture or this oh, I don't like that. movie montage no. moment for the beginning. No, that makes me uncomfy. Oh, see, I feel like I've been, I call it sleeping beauty syndrome. Mm. I've been like fucked by rom-coms. And I always thought, oh, it's, it's so, starting. Here we go. It's so try too hard for me. Like the energy of it, it's just you. And it always feels practice. Like how many people have you done this with? Mm. The fact that that has never crossed my mind, I guess it's problematic. (laughs) (laughs) It gives me the heebie-jeebies in a weird way because it just feels like, what, what are you trying to do here? Are you so boring that you need to have this over-the-top date? Yes. Mm. To me, it says insecure. Whoa. To me, it says thoughtful and so into you. Uh huh. It's interesting how you can phrase it both ways. Funny how you're married and I'm not. But here's the thing, too, is my husband likes novelty, but it's in restaurants. There are other mm. things, other ways that of would, getting I, I think that, that would that. be low to moderate adventure. You know what I mean? That I'm, I'm sure he would probably like more in the grand scheme of things. And I used to be much more into it. Here's the thing. That can change over time, too. Sure. So I also think we always have these ideas of who we are is who we are forever. And it's fixed. And that is not true. You continue to evolve. You continue to change. There are seasons for everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just yeah. because you're one way at one point in time doesn't mean you'll be that way. And also we feed off of each other. So I have been the very adventurous one in relationships and have also been the very conservative one. It depends on who you're with right like you match energy yeah. in certain ways so all of it is malleable Woo! 
a special thank you to Susie for sharing her story with us today. Like I said before, her videos can be found via the links in the show notes. And of course, a special thank you to Hillary Kerr. We will be back next week to finish off this interview. And boy, do we really get into it. As always, thanks again for listening. And see you next Tuesday.